The minute that you get labeled a conspiracy theorist, pretty much everything that you have to say ceases to be taken seriously. The red pill is just about kind of shaking up your perception of the way that things really And on the understanding that what you've been told your entire life is a consciously constructed lie. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. The idea of Project Bluebeam is that NASA, with the help of the United Nations, was attempting to implement a new age religion with the Antichrist at its head and start a new world order via technology simulating the second coming of Christ. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Hawkeye Media presents... Conspiracy Pill with PJ and Abby. Enough the thing about conspiracy theories is like it's sometimes they're not going to be true. And it's okay. There's literally nothing wrong with asking the questions and pulling on the threads and doing the research. It is what it is. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of season 2 of Conspiracy Pilled. Uh, your favorite mostly hinged, or we pretend to be mostly hinged conspiracy podcast. Gotta I'm keep up Lily. the veneer. <laughs> I keep up I'm our here. reputation. I'm here with Elise. Elise, how am I Elise? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I am Elise. When did that happen? Um, Sorry, so we had a is- meeting right before we did this, <laughs> and it changed my name. Now PJ's I'm PJ again. Transitioning. Now you've <laughs> ruined mine because my last name isn't there. Gosh, we are professionals. <laughs> We know what we're doing. We know Look, what our <laughs> names are. Um, <laughs> Some days I don't know if I do know. Okay, preliminaries. First of all, what are we talking about today? We are going to be talking about Project MK Naomi. It's uh, lesser known of the MK. <laughs> There's a lot of MKs. And, and, half, and half of the government projects start with blue. So mm. this is not that. There's no blue in the, in the name of this one. MK so. Blue Naomi. Bluey. <laughs> Blue, Blue Naomi. Uh, we're going to be talking about that. Really quick shout out to all the wonderful people who come over and subscribe for our bonus unhinged content and support the show on Locals. We have Shiley18 is our newest local subscriber. Yes, Thank you. Shiley. On Odyssey, we have Blankets uh, that subscribed. So Blanket. shout out to Blankets. Thank we you. Blanket. By the way, really quick for Blankets for anybody else that wants to send us uh, memes and stuff like that on, on uh, Odyssey. Uh, we will be reading those at the end of the show. So send those in any super chats, things like that. We'll get to all those at the end of the show. Um, and then on Rockfin, we have Sarah Henson, Real Truth Cactus, and Sarah Ferris. We got three new people over on Rockfin. If you guys don't know, because that's one of our newest things that we're doing. Rockfin is wonderful. It's R-O-K-F-I-N, rockfin.com slash conspiracy pilled. You get us and you get Conspiracy Social Club. You get... Um, I'm trying to even remember Paul Joseph Watson, ton, tons of people might care about or might not care about who knows, <clears throat> but I was there. looking at like who I should pull it up again, but I was looking at like who watches us and like the other shows I watch. Those are the ones I should shout. Jimmy Dore is on. There's a bunch of people on there. Uh, it's about 300 other, uh, people that you get. So it's kind of like a Netflix subscription. So you could come over to locals and support us for $5 a month or Odyssey and support us for $5 a month and get this stuff. Or you can catch our Thursday show live at seven and get all these other people for $15 a month. So yeah, it's, pretty... it's like Netflix free speech conspiracy platform. Yeah, I like it. I Some like of the it. shows are good. Some of them are not as good. 
<laughs> and then there's us. Where were we and falling? And then there's that? us. And then there's us. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we welcome super chats. We love super chats. Um, we'll read them and talk to you and, and engage with them at the end of the show. But you can't send them on YouTube because we don't want YouTube to make any money off of us at all. We don't want them to make any of your hard-earned dollars. So if you want to support us that way, it has to be on Rumble or Odyssey. Absolutely. And at about a half hour point, we will be doing what we always do. We'll be shutting off YouTube and the other platforms. And so you gives you some chance to get over there and talk to us there. So let's get into our conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, so we are talking about MK Naomi, and this is the code name for a joint department uh, of defense and CIA research program from the 1950s through the 1970s. So question, when you hear this MK project ended in 1970, right before the church commission started digging into it. Mm, mm-hmm, Do you believe mm-hmm. that it ended? Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. The, the government who had everything to gain by saying the program was done so that no one would ask and any further files. questions definitely ended the program that they worked really <clears throat> hard on, um, that they had going for a reason um, and never thought about it again. Yeah, just like MK Ultra, definitely, absolutely ended the government. Never yeah. did anything with that ever again. Totally. Uh, totally. So th- this is weird. So I was looking at things, and a lot of people <clears throat> were writing things like they believed this to be the successor to MK Ultra. That doesn't make any sense if you look at the timeline. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just because there's so little actually known about MK Naomi as far as files go, but there's plenty of real world things they did that you can link directly back to MK Naomi. So uh, we'll get into that. There's, you know, but there is, there is links to MK ultra. I mean, if we talked about Sidney Gottlieb before the, mm-hmm. the poisoner in chief, one of the most evil men in American history, he definitely had his hands in MK Naomi with, uh, I mean, he was the, he was the expert on poisons and stuff like that. So they were using him. There's stuff in there about how they tried to assassinate Castro, which goes directly back to Gottlieb and people like that. Um, but this was based out of Fort Detrick, Maryland, <clears throat> and the tests were carried out. Uh, the tests that they did, or sorry, I uh, skipped a part. MK Naomi was focused on biological, chemical, and bacteriological weapons and delivery systems. Oh, and wait, it wait, was. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. You, you're telling me there was a government program for with with bio with you with bioweapons? Yeah, and only 25 years after the Geneva Convention banned them. Fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so they were, like I said, they're focused on biological, chemical, and bacteriological weapons and delivery systems, and there's a whole lot of interesting stuff with the delivery systems we'll get into later. And uh, as I said, it was based out of Fort Detrick in Maryland, and the tests were carried out on our food, our water, our crops, our air for more than 20 years, and this resulted in all kinds of illness, disease, explosions of cancer in urban centers where these tests were conducted and even death of unwitting and unknowing subjects. Cause they just never told anybody as they carried out these tests, uh, so to speak on large population areas. So uh, this is all like, you're not just talking or theorizing. This is established fact. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're, we're pretty much everything. So we'll get into some conjecture and some, some theories and beliefs, but most, almost everything we're talking about tonight is pretty well documented. It's, it's fact. It's, it's a lot of facts. tonight. just like with MK ultra um, and MK ultra was interesting because MK ultra supposedly ended in 1973. If you remember, and at this time they had these massive amounts of documents that were being burned up because the church commission 
is is looking into all of the crazy uh, awful things that the CIA was doing after after JFK's assassination. But you know, don't he wasn't assassinated by our government, but that did not. spur our own government to look into our own government about what they were doing. Our government would never. <clears throat> Do you know what's really funny? The um MK Naomi document, there's a 15 page document. It's like one of the only documents that came out to the church commission in 1975, very small. And it only really covers like budgeting. And even in the budgeting, there's like huge gaps where they're not reporting budgeting uh, right at the top of the page. It says JFK assassination system identification form, which I find really interesting. What? Yeah. JFK, JFK assassination system identification form. It's like right in the header of here. Let me see if I'll just show, when I'll were share these you documents publicized. Uh, hold on. I've got my notes. I just want to make sure I pull up this. So many questions. Yeah. See it. JFK assassination system identification form. This comes <laughs> from the, the archives of, of our government. So what's it dated? <clears throat> this was, uh, 1975, I believe. Hold on. Let me, I got this all in my notes. We'll get to it. So okay, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. 19, this was the 1975 report. It's only 15 pages long. It was given to the church commission. Like I said, very few operational details, mostly, mostly funding, uh, and there's large gaps in funding even there. And what then the reason I brought up MK Ultra and their burning of documents in 1973 is if you guys remember our first episode was on MK Ultra and we talked about how the only reason we've got tens of thousands of MK Ultra documents is because they're misfiled. They were they were put into some wrong file somewhere and sometime I think it was like in the 90s. There were some documents that came out in the late 70s and then again in the 90s and again in like 2015. They keep finding these MK Ultra documents that were just misfiled. So they did a hard job of like hiding, burning, getting rid of these things. A lot of it, they, the people who worked on it even said that we were trying not to keep notes, um, which is hard to do with scientific research, but th- that's what I'm saying. It's very different than MK ultra because we would know less about MK ultra than the Naomi. If it hadn't been for these massive files that were found buried somewhere in, in a, what was it? A, like some financial records in the, in the CIA or something weird. Yeah. Anyway, misfiled. That's why we got those. Misfiled. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we do have one early memorandum, which comes from uh, which which has a bacteriologist talking about MK Nemo's mission, and this is what he says: "Quote: Our mission was pretty simple and to the point to provide the CIA with every means possible to maim or kill targeted groups or individuals through the use of toxic and lethal biochemical agents. We worked mm. hard at it and delivered." And then he went on to list its key objectives uh, were how to knock uh, knock off people, knock off key guys, make death look as it was from natural causes, uh, such as produce uh, methods to produce cancer and to make it appear as though it was a heart attack. So a lot of what we're going to be talking about with the tests that came out are not focused as much on the assassination aspect of this, which is funny. That's what we're missing so much of those things, but they were storing these large amounts of like uh, shellfish toxins and cobra venoms and creating like bacterial super weapons. Uh, Lots of gain of function research happening in the 1950s. Mm. Mm. A lot of that they were doing at Fort Detrick, Maryland. Um, But what's funny, I want to get back to what MK Naomi is, but every time we do something like this, whether it's, Operation Paperclip, MK Ultra, Project Stargate. It's always fear that's used to justify the horrific acts by our government. And it was always in those cases, you know, whether it was Paperclip, the the Russians are going to take the Nazi scientists, so we have to take the Nazi scientists, right? MK Ultra, the the Russians are trying to brainwash people, so we have to brainwash people. 
Uh, the Russians are able to do remote viewing, so we have to do remote viewing. But this time it was not the Russians, it was the Japanese. Yeah, so... Okay. Get in this the 70s, up. so we're like way past the No, 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 war. this started in the late 40s. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it went up to the 70s. So this is post-World War II after... And I don't know how much you've studied about Japan, but I always felt like that was a huge part left out in World War II history in high school and even in college. So much of me didn't really understand why they were even involved. I'm like, Germany's trying to take over the world. Because they never teach it because they don't. It's so weird. They leave it out. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's just I thought the same thing. I felt like I got a good historical education and there were still things that just didn't quite add up. And maybe I'm just like too small of a person to understand world politics sometimes. But I I think it's been intentionally left out of history for for reasons we'll get into. Mm, Okay. But uh, here's there's this article from Politico titled The Secret History of Fort Detrick, the CIA's base for mind control experiments. So this is talking about both MK Naomi and MK Ultra. But I wanted to read this paragraph. It says in 1942, alarmed by reports that Japanese forces were waging germ warfare in China, the army decided to launch a secret program to develop biological (laughs) weapons. Germ warfare in China. You don't say no way. Well, there's no way. No never. way that we're ever this. There's no way at all. This episode never. is definitely going to talk about germ warfare <laughs> in China and gain of function research. Y'all, this is why we are not. This is why we demonetize ourselves on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Because this is the moment where we be like, oh, no, we can't talk about this. We're going to like use code words. And no, we're going to talk about what we want to. No, we gotta we gotta stick with the story that bat soup that came from bat that hibernated seven hundred miles away from Wuhan is definitely what caused uh, this thing that that Klaus Schwab already had a book prepared for about yeah. happening, right? Mm, yeah, totally. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I mean this is so obvious. Like we're gonna get into it, but it's so obvious that it's it's not just us, but it's all the all the major players in the world are are weaponizing germs and germ warfare and have been for a very long time. Um. So anyway, back to this article really quick. So secretive. Um, By reports that Japanese forces were waging germ warfare in China, the army decided to launch a secret program to develop biological weapons. It hired a University of Wisconsin biochemist Ira Baldwin to run the program and asked him to find a site for a new bioresearch complex. Baldwin chose a mostly abandoned National Guard base below. You might have to tell me this is a Katosin Mountain. Katoctin Mountain. It's in Maryland. So I thought you would know. It's in the chat. How's it spelled? C-A-T-O-C-T-I-N. Oh, yeah, Catoctin. Catoctin Mountain. Called Dietrich Field. On March 9th, 1943, the Army announced that it had renamed the field Camp Dietrich, designed it as a headquarters for the Army Biological Warfare Laboratories, and purchased several adjacent farms to provide extra room and privacy. <clears throat> so what it's talking about in the beginning of this, what what they're claiming is the reason why they bought Fort Dietrich and turned it into the Army's, and it still is, the, the Army's... Uh, biochemical whatever uh, center. It was because of this thing called Unit 731. And this is so interesting to me because the first time I heard of Unit 731 was in a historical fiction novel that I love. I didn't know it was a real thing. I thought it was made up for the story. And then I started looking into it. And Unit 731 is one of the most horrific things left out of the history books that absolutely should be studied. So Unit 731 was a covert biological and chemical warfare research and development unit of the Imperial Japanese army that engaged in lethal human experimentation and biological weapons manufacturing during the second Sino Japanese war, 1937 to 19, 1945 and world war two. So uh, they, 
this is what's interesting to me. So biological weapons were banned by the Geneva Convention in 1925. So, of course, Japan started its biological weapon program in the 1930s. And if you're familiar with, like, just how brutal the Japanese were in World War II, it's insane. Because, like, even, even the Nazis obeyed the Geneva Convention when it came to how they treated POWs. And the Japanese did not like they like, oh, places like Mitsubishi were built on the backs of slave labor of, of uh, POWs and things like that. They wow. starved these people to death. They experimented on them. It was really awful. I know Korea was bad. Yeah. Japan's like when you study it, they, they are, they're really, really bad. Um, okay. But we don't have to, that's a whole other discussion. We don't have to get too much into it, but uh, let me see. So basically Japan was reasoning that uh, the ban verified its effectiveness as a weapon. So they reason that if the Geneva Convention is trying to ban biological weapons, that must mean that this stuff's some good stuff. Otherwise, they you know they wouldn't care if we had it. And Japan's Surgeon General Ishii Shihiro proposed the creation of a Japanese biological and chemical research unit in 1930. And this came after a two-year study trip abroad on the grounds that the Western powers were developing their own programs. So he's saying. Not only does the Geneva Convention not want us to have this because it's good, but the Western countries are already doing it. And I wanted to kind of look into what he was talking about because we've heard like there's going to be the obvious CIA excuse like Japan did all these terrible things. We have to study it. Russia's doing these things. We have to not only study it, but do it worse than them. It's it's a we just see the throughout all of the Cold War and even in World War Two, like all of these justifications for just truly. Uh, atrocious acts from our own government and they're always justified, but they, the Japanese uh, surgeon general is not entirely wrong. Um, not entirely wrong that, uh, the West had been doing some things like this. So there was army doctors in the Philippines in 1906 that injected prisoners with the bubonic plague. There was a guy named Frank crazier Knowles. <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> Michael Crazier Knowles. No. Michael, is that you? <laughs> it's literally spelled C R A Z I E R. Is there another way to pronounce that? It's crazier, right? Frank Crazier Crazier. <laughs> Frank Crazier Knowles. Uh, he was uh, deliberately. It probably, probably is too. He was deliberately infecting children at an orphanage with mollus, uh, molluscum contagion. I cannot pronounce this. Molluscum contagiosum. That sounds like a Harry Potter spell. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so he was he was in, he was deliberately infecting children in an orphanage with this oh. thing I can't pronounce so he could study it and write a paper. Uh, There's also a guy named Cornelius Rhodes, and he was working for six months in Puerto Rico in 1932 as part of the Rockefeller Foundation's International Health Board contingent. And he intentionally injected cancer cells into his patients. He wrote a letter back to a colleague in New York saying that he intentionally killed eight of his patients. And he refused to treat some just to see what would happen. And this, what do you think happened to, to this Rockefeller funded uh, mad scientist? Did he die of a heart attack? <laughs> he, he, he went on to become the director of the Memorial Hospital for Cancer Research in New York from 1945 what? on. He also was on the cover of Times Magazine in 1949 with the title Cancer Fighter. And then he went to work for the United States Army, helping to develop chemical weapons and set up research centers during World War II. And his research on mustard gas is what led to the development for its use in chemotherapy. It's almost like when you get to that level or slightly before you get to that level, the more absolutely despicable, insane 
ritualistic sacrificial things you do to children, the more you succeed. It's almost like if you sacrifice children to Satan, he gives you some temporary mm. benefits from it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's almost like these people are actually doing these things because they believe that it works and it does. Mm. Uh, yeah, and then the most famous one that everybody brought up uh, is the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. And I'll bring it up just because it's the most famous, but it's not even the worst of these. Uh, and this is where the U.S. Public Health Service took 399 black males who had syphilis and were offered treatment by the researchers. They did not tell the se- the test subjects that they had syphilis. And they did not actually give them treatment for the disease, but rather just studied them to chart the progress of the disease. By 1947, penicillin became available as a treatment. So what's that? Halfway through this, not even halfway through the study. Penicillin becomes an available treatment, but those running the study prevented the participants from receiving treatment elsewhere and lied to them about their true condition so that way they could observe the effects of syphilis on the human body into the 1970s. So they, they just watched these people for 40 years die of a horrific disease when they had treatments so they could study them. That was that was done by the U.S. Public Health Service. So my point in saying all that is there's always the justification. Well, they were doing it, so we had to, but it's just bullshit. I, I, we, people with a lot of power are going to do, and no morals, are going to do a lot of awful things. Um. But I want to go back to Unit 731 because they are truly atrocious. I would say what they did made the Nazis look like innocent schoolboys in comparison. So their subjects were mainly kidnapped men and women, including pregnant women and children, but also babies from systemic rape uh, perpetrated by the staff inside the compound. Their victims were mostly Chinese and some and some were some were Russians and internal memos show that they called their victims logs. And they would use the sentences like how many logs fell today? Like that's how they treated human beings, but it was even worse for the Chinese because they called them no cost research subjects as in complete dehumanization, right? And their tests went on to, to do all kinds of crazy things. They did weapon testing with things like grenades to check for damage at a distance. Um, so this comes from a book on unit 731. This paragraph says to determine the best course of treatment for varying degrees of shrapnel wounds sustained on the field by Japanese soldiers, Chinese prisoners were exposed to direct bomb blasts. They were strapped unprotected to wooden planks that were staked into the ground, increasing distances around a bomb that was then detonated. And it was surgery for most and autopsies for the rest. They also did the same thing with flamethrowers, pathogen released bombs, chemical weapons, and even bayonets and and others. They basically just wanted to see what weapons would do to people. And they didn't care who they did that, that they were doing this to, to live real human beings. That's awful. It's, I mean, it's truly terrible, right? Like this is like Nazi level shit and it's just never taught. I, I think that that's such a, I don't know whether to call it a psyop or I don't know a better <clears> word, but I feel like that's such a psyop that we have been led to believe that Nazis are the worst people to ever have existed, to ever have done anything. And they weren't, they were awful, no doubt, but humanity got so much worse and is capable of so much worse than what they did. <clears throat> I would, like if you look at this on like, <clears throat> if you look at this on like a a, a, a human <clears throat> casualty scale, China's the worst. If you look at this on a absolute dehumanization from the heads all the way down to the populace, Japan, nobody comes close to Japan in this era. Like the, the, the citizens were true believers, unlike, un, unlike Russia. You know what I mean? Like this, it, it was so infectious yeah. that the, the men, women, and children, the citizens were willing to die for their God emperor 
in a way that was fanatical beyond c- comprehension. It's insane. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think there's a, like, there's reasons and we've talked about this before, but like the, uh, oh, what's it called? That Institute that came out of Germany that inf- the, the, Every the time communists. we both forget it. I oh. know. <clears throat> Frankfurt Institute, Frankfurt. the Frankfurt Institute had, uh, taken control of, of the, CIA taking control of the institutions, yeah. the the schools, whatever. So obviously they're going to make Hitler the one big bad guy and forget that Stalin was, you know, dragging people down to the basement and shooting them systemically six at a time all day, every day for years um, because they're communists. So they had to cover up for the communist. I mean, look how we've talked about this with like the Russia Ukraine thing right now where I'm just like, if I look at history and I see that there was people back then defending Stalin or defending Hitler because one of them had to be good and one of them had to be bad. I'm like, it's it's historically illiterate to think that in a conflict, there has to be a good guy and a bad guy. Yeah. Um, it's almost like when people are willing to go and kill other people, there's not a good guy. Right. Usually. Right. Especially at this level and this, this, how sadistic this was. So some of their other experiments included starvation, dehydration, vivisection, all while they're alive. They would put people in centrifuges and spin them until they died to see how long it would take to kill somebody by spinning them to death. Uh, and the list just goes like on and on and on. They also did a lot of bio experiments. They would give prisoners syphilis, cholera, smallpox, botulism, the bubonic plague. And then we get into what they were doing all of this for, which is biological warfare. <clears throat> and during World War II, they took plague-infected fleas and spread them by low-flying planes in 11 Chinese cities, killing tens of thousands of people. They also spread anthrax, typhoid, cholera, on and on and on. And specifically, by the end of the war, they had a plan to take out America with this thing called Operation Cherry Blossoms at Night. And this was during the final months of World War II. Unit 731 planned to use kamikaze pilots to infest San Diego, California with with the plague, with the bubonic plague. And the plan was scheduled to launch on September 22nd, 1945. But it was five weeks after Japan surrendered. So had, had we not nuked Japan, it's very almost certain that they would have spread the plague, the bubonic plague in America in a, in a big way through kamikaze pilots. So not my point is the fears are not unfounded by our government of what other countries are are willing and capable to do doesn't justify what they're doing either but you know 731's pretty bad dudes uh but it gets worse it gets worse so <laughs> we're gonna go back to fort dietrich and this guy named shiro ishi and he was a former unit uh former member of unit 731 and ishi was arrested by the united states authorities during the occupation of japan at the end of world war ii and he was supposed to be thoroughly interrogated by Soviet authorities for his war crimes, along with his whole team and, and other people. And this will sound familiar if you're familiar with Operation Paperclip, because uh, that's another we get taught about Operation Paperclip and how they brought the Nazi scientists yeah. over. This is the part that never gets talked about. So instead, instead of being instead of handing him over to the Soviets <clears throat> to prosecute him for war crimes, because they were doing this to the Chinese and the Soviets that they were kidnapping. Uh, Ishii and his team managed to negotiate and receive immunity in 1946 from Japanese war crime prosecutions before the Tokyo Tribunal in exchange for their full disclosure. There's this guy named Edwin Hill. He's the chief of Fort Detrick, and he stated that the information Ishii could provide was, quote, absolutely invaluable and that it could, quote, never have been obtained in the United States because of scruples. Yeah, these these. 
people with their morals because of scruples attached to the experimentation on humans. And the information was obtained fairly cheaply is another thing that he said about it. So Ishii's immunity deal was concluded in 1948 and he was never prosecuted for any of his war crimes. And then we just listed the war crimes above things that unit 731 was doing and his exact whereabouts uh, or occupation after 1947 remained unknown. Except there's this guy named Richard Drayton and he's a Cambridge university history lecturer. And he claims that Ishii later went to Maryland to advise on bioweapons kind of makes sense. Like it's not a stretch, right? Cause the guy who runs Fort Detrick is like, we got to make sure that we get this guy. We got to make sure we stop him from being prosecuted, get his information. Is it too much of a stretch to think that in 1948, he came over right before the creation of MK Naomi and MK Naomi's weird. Cause they bought Fort Detrick in 1943 to study bio weapons. So it's not even I don't know if they were like MK Naomi's like just a continuation of that kind of like MK Ultra continuation of artichoke and a continuation of bluebird and whatever other things. But my point is it seems to have started in 1943 and yeah. really taken off in 1949 right after they got this ishy guy from from unit mm. 731. Sus. <laughs> right? <laughs> Kind of like how we I'm got sure all these. Kind of like how we got all these Nazi scientists who were working on like brainwashing people, and then uh, MK uh-huh. Ultra took off. Yeah. Or we got Nazi rocket scientists, and then NASA took off. <laughs> allegedly. Alleged. Well, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've never even thought of this. But speaking of satanic rituals that make you super successful, what if that's how we got to the moon, and no one wants to talk about it? <laughs> satanic rituals. <laughs> I'd believe it. I'd believe it. So <clears throat> really quickly, we are going to be continuing this conversation. There's a whole lot more to go on here, but if you guys are watching on YouTube or Twitter or Twitch or any of those things, uh, head over to rumble or odyssey or rockfin.com slash conspiracy pilled. I'll start dropping the links in the chat. And in the next uh, couple of minutes, we're just going to shut off YouTube. It'll just be gone. So don't miss watching the full show live with us. All right. So, <clears throat> Then after after this whole thing, uh, after after Ishii comes over and pff, almost certainly works for MK Naomi, we have 239 biological experiments conducted by N- MK Naomi that ran out of Fort Detrick from 1949 to 1969 alone. 239 that we know of. And 80 of those experiments, the U.S. Army said it used live bacteria. And in other in others, it used inert chemicals to simulate bacteria, but their idea of inert, harmless chemicals might be different than reality <laughs> than, okay. than what actually comes out of it. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, I said, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> in November 25th, 1969, the U.S. President Richard Nixon gave a speech announcing the end of the U.S. offensive biological weapons program and reaffirmed a no first use policy for chemical weapons. And it came out later in the Church Commission that they didn't destroy all of the viruses, poisons or chemical weapons. And they actually continue to pay large amounts of money for upkeep on machines for creating bioweapons. Read. uh gain of function like they they were continuing to develop this. There was a lot of questions in the church committee of like, why didn't you guys get rid of these thousands of pounds of shellfish toxin? 
Um, and it's funny. One of the excuses that was given like under oath was, well, they were just really attached to their work and they just didn't want to destroy their life's work of creating these super deadly toxins that could like take out cities. So it was just, they were just emotional about it. It wasn't, you know, they weren't trying to do anything wrong or illegal or terrible. <laughs> what do you think of that? Uh, excuse? Oh, I was sorry. I was distracted. Somebody was asking on YouTube how they could send a super chat. And I was like, no on rumble on rumble rumble no, rants. that's that. what, we're <laughs> what was the question uh, they, one of the one of the guys when they were asked in the church committee why they didn't destroy the shellfish toxins uh specifically shellfish. was well they just spent so much time working on it they're just emotionally attached to like their work <laughs> they didn't <laughs> like they didn't want to destroy their baby oh. you know it took so much time to create all these terrible toxins and bacterias and and uh super flus yeah, nice try trying to make us think that psychopaths have feelings. I know, right? <laughs> so let's get into what some of these 239 tests were. And what's hilarious to me is that the first one took place uh, August 1949, the, the first test of MKNW that we know of, and it took place at the Pentagon. <laughs> There's a long history of weird attacks and false flag attacks and real attacks from our own government on our Pentagon, not huh. even including nine 11 <laughs> where they shot a cruise missile at it. <laughs> but uh, in this, in, in August, 1949, the special operations division operatives infiltrated the world's largest office building and sprayed bacteria into the Pentagon's air handling system. That's all we really know about it. They just wanted to see like, if Russia was able to do this, would it kill everybody in the Pentagon? Like, yeah. Okay. So you, we want to know if Russia could spray bacteria into the vents <coughs> and kill everyone in the Pentagon. So we're going to spray bacteria, bacteria into, into the, the vents. vents to see if it kills everyone in the Pentagon. Well, it was, you know, not, it wasn't their excuse. It wasn't like super deadly bacteria, you know, it's just track. It was just traceable bacteria. So, we all know the okay, this is the best evidence I have the Pentagon has shitty security is that they let me in one time. So <laughs> you've been in the Pentagon? Yeah. I knew you were a fed. <laughs> we'll have work. to talk about that later. Literally for work. That really? doesn't help my That's case funny. at all. <laughs> well, yeah. That's what I'm saying. You're a fed. It's like, of course it was for work. <laughs> what else would it be for? For pleasure? Uh just walk into the Pentagon. <clears throat> Apparently they can, you know, shoot cruise missiles at it and get bacteria in the vents. So <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how well their security is. <clears throat> All right. This next part is hilarious to me because this is conspiracy inception on steroids right here. We did a, a, a real, a TikTok short, whatever you want to call it about operation snow white a few months ago. Okay. And it probably deserves its own full episode. So I'll just give you a brief idea of what it is and why it's related to this conspiracy. But this is hilarious to me. So <laughs> with, Operation Snow White was a criminal conspiracy by the Church of Scientology during the 1970s, and the goal was to purge unfavorable records about Scientology and its founder, L. Ron Hubbard. So in this, they, they did a series of infiltrations and thefts, and they basically infiltrated 136 government agencies, foreign embassies, consulates, as well as private organizations, anybody that's critical of Scientology, and, and this was all carried out by church members in more than 30 countries. This is why the Church of Scientology today is banned out of most places in Australia. And they stole all these records. And there was a raid. Basically, they took like 
semi loads of records back from the church of Scientology in Hollywood, like back in the seventies. Right. But from their records, we learned about things like operation big city because after the church of Scientology stole these records, they published 600 pages of CIA, CIA financial records, which is just hilarious. It's just conspiracies within conspiracies, bad people exposing other bad people, uh, infiltrations and raiding. <laughs> it's so weird, but operation big City is what we learned from the church of Scientology. So we would not know about this one if it wasn't for L Ron Hubbard and his weird alien sex cult. So, uh, <laughs> I knew we were going to talk about weird. Al- I knew you were going to find a way to talk about weird alien. I know pulse. when you said that to me earlier, I was like, just wait, it's, it's in here. <laughs> you guys, I cannot let PJ do <clears throat> anything without it coming back to weird alien sex. cults. How do you talk about conspiracy without talking about weird alien sex cults? I mean, do you have something to tell me? <laughs> no, <laughs> you're like, I would, I'm never talking about that. <laughs> Please go on. All right. So Operation Big City was <clears throat> the dissemination of unknown substances from aerosol devices mounted in suitcases and in the exhaust of a, sp- a specially modified 1953 Mercury, <laughs> which is so weird. The primary tests occurred February 11th through the 15th, 1956 in New York City, when a 1953 Mercury with tailpipes extending an extra 18 inches traveled only 80 miles, but covered four turnpikes and tunnels. And when the test car was returned, it was washed to handle contamination and then washed again a few days later. So they basically put bacterial weapons inside of tailpipes and tested out spreading it around New York City in 1956. Just, just and, and, and suitcases. Tested it out. Yeah, they had these suitcases that had these aerosol spray devices and they like super padded them because I guess like the whirring sounds and motions was like, why the hell is this guy's suitcase making noise? You know? Um, are we okay? Are you going to get around to talking about Havana syndrome? No, I actually don't have Havana syndrome in here. I sh- okay, I, but we should cover it at some point. Havana syndrome. If we talk about Havana syndrome, we got to talk about some parts of Project Stargate that I didn't get to cover because during during Project Stargate times out in, in uh, Russia, there was this like super wave, super energy wave conductor that was being pointed at the U S consulate in Russia. So Havana syndrome goes way back to like early cold war stuff. Huh? And it was all, that was all in Annie Jacobson's book about Stargate. So it was something okay. we left off that episode, but because it, it was more related to Havana syndrome, but I think that'd be a good thing to cover. I need to read more Annie Jacobson books. Obviously she's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to read more of her stuff too. So next one we're going to talk. And again, there's 239 of these, so I'm not going through all of them. We'll get through. We'll get through a few here and there. Um, the next one that I want to talk about is called Operation Sea Spray, and this was in the 1950s. And sorry, I'm just shutting off YouTube. Really Sounds quick. really weird. In a, a 1950 U.S. Navy secret biological warfare experiment in which Sarada, I hate this. I can't read these stupid words. Sarasha Marisenet. Now, well, something, and Basilicus globuli bacteria. <laughs> I'm the word. Can we get Jess on here? I think she could read these stupid scientific words. <clears throat> I can't pronounce it. Two different bacterias were sprayed over the San Francisco Bay Area in California. So they did this early in the morning and it like rolled in with the fog so people wouldn't notice. But these giant, like the, oh, it's a lot of fog today because they're rolling in these bacteria clouds over the San Francisco Bay. 
And this was in order to determine how vulnerable a city like San Francisco may be to bioweapon attacks by just spreading bacteria clouds over San Francisco. We have to test how vulnerable they are by literally doing the thing. By doing the thing. But it's not not anthrax, so it's okay, right? Not a scaled back version, but like the whole version? Or was it like a lighter bacteria? These are lighter bacteria. Yeah, they're not like super dead. They're not trying to kill these people. Their justification oh, was okay, like they, I'm not saying it's okay, but like their justification <laughs> was, well, it's not. We're we're trying to see what would happen with anthrax, but we need a bacteria so we can trace it and how far it spreads and whatever. I don't know. So on October 11th, 1950, 11 residents checked into the Stanford Hospital in San Francisco with very rare, serious urinary tract infections. <laughs> Ten of these people recovered, but a man named Edward J. Nevin, who had a recent prostate surgery, died three weeks later from a heart valve infection. And cases of pneumonia in San Francisco also increased after Serratia maricacus was released. And what was so interesting about this is they, the doctors started realizing something's wrong because there had never been a case of this type of infection in San Francisco, literally ever. Like it was not nat- they, they knew it wasn't natural there. They just didn't know what the hell was going on because the, the, the cities were never told what was going on. There's one case where they were, but they were lied to. They were told something else to explain away the fog. Uh, and that was in St. Louis. And I think that was part of operation large area coverage, but depending on who you listen to, it could be something else, but like we'll, we'll play a video uh, <clears throat> on it in a minute. Um, so the next one is is Operation LAC, large area coverage. This was 1957 to 1958. Involved spraying large areas with zinc uh, cadmium sulfide. And this was another thing thought to be harmless at the time. But guess what? It is now known to be cancer-causing agents. And worse than that, they also added a fluorescent substance to this zinc cadmium sulfide that the Army still won't say what it is or if it was radioactive because it is still to this day top secret what this fluorescent thing they added to zinc cadmium sulfide was so radioactive isotopes cancer causing agents sprayed all over all over America so the US government study this this US government study was done by the US National Research Council and started in part after an exhaustive independent review requested by Congress or wait wait I'm sorry I'm getting lost my notes a U.S. government study done by the U.S. National Research Council stated, this was later on, that after an exhaustive independent review requested by Congress, we have found no evidence that the exposure to zinc cadmium sulfide at those levels could cause people to become sick, except that except they did. Uh, lots and lots of people developed cancer. There's one lady who's been speaking out about this her whole life because she said that basically she was outside playing basketball and they were spraying this from planes and, and from all kinds of stuff, right? Chemtrails don't exist except when they do. Uh, and she was covered in it and didn't know what it was. So she went inside, washed off. She's had cancer four different times in her life. And a lot, and there's, there's lots of evidence that cancer has exploded in these areas where they dumped a cancer causing agent on people. Believe it's uh, hard to believe, right? Uh, not, not chemtrails, <clears throat> cancer, trails. <laughs> cancer trails. Yeah, yeah. So an army chemical Corps uh, document titled summary of major events and problems described the scope of operation LAC. And in this document it outlined that the tests were larger, were the largest ever undertaken by the chemical core and that the test area stretched from the Rocky mountains to the Atlantic ocean and from Canada to the Gulf of Mexico. And they were spraying this over cities thinking that supposedly they were trying to find cities that were as close impossible to like temperature elevation style as Russian cities. Right. 
And so they picked a lot of places in like the Midwest, like St. Louis and stuff like that. Uh, but that was their excuse. But also, but what's crazy is they found out that this was drifting up to 1200 miles away from where they sprayed it. And there was sprays done over, you know, the Midwest that were ending up in New York city. Um, and yeah, so pretty crazy stuff. I want to play this video really quick. Um, that kind of talks about it. Let's check this out. Oh, once I got to hit the right buttons. Yeah, hit the right These button. Army archive pictures show how the tests were done in Corpus Christi, Texas in the 1960s. In Texas, planes were used to drop the chemical. But in St. Louis, the Army placed chemical sprayers on buildings and station wagons. City officials were kept in the dark about the tests. The Cold War cover story was that the Army was testing smoke screens to protect cities from a Russian attack. The truth, according to Martino Taylor, was much more sinister. It's pretty shocking. Um, the level of duplicity and secrecy. Um, um, clearly, they went to great lengths to deceive people. By yeah, so they're telling people, hey, we're, we're, we're just spraying. Like, they put, they put these, uh, they put them on the tops of station wagons. They didn't just do chemtrails and spraying, which they showed in the video. Like, this is my favorite thing. Is like, we did that uh, unhinged episode what, last week, two weeks ago. Where we played that video where ABC's like, yes, we do chemtrails, and it's a good thing, actually, but also don't notice it, right? And this is not the yeah, first time. This isn't even, I don't know yeah. when this came out, this this uh, news article that we're watching, but it's not new. Like, people have, they've been doing this for a long time. Like, weather manipulation is not real, but China's doing it for the Olympics. Chemtrails yeah. aren't real, but we're cloud seeding, and it's good. Um, <laughs> chemtrails aren't, this is my favorite thing. In doing the research, I listen to a lot of skeptics on anything that I research, so I'll find specifically podcasts and YouTube channels of people who call themselves skeptics and they try to debunk conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. And this one, everybody's like, well, <laughs> this really happened. And one of them went through great lengths to try to say, yes, they did spray chemicals out of planes over cities for years and decades, but chemtrails don't exist. That's a, that's bullshit. And they went on and they were like very adamant that chemtrails are absolutely bullshit and it's retarded if you believe them, except, you know, when they do them, right? <laughs> find it funny and and <clears throat> okay so the first time i heard about chemtrails and and that conspiracy theory it was so unhinged yeah. the way that it was presented and they people were so convinced that they knew what was being sprayed that they skipped <clears throat> past the whole it's happening to it's happening and it's this chemical and it's designed to Harm the food supply. And it's every plane ever. And it's, it's every yeah. plane. Harm the food supply. Anytime I see a dissipation of a of a trail, it couldn't possibly be from a natural dissipation. Right. Um, it was two things this. that changed my mind on this because you're right. When I first heard people talking about chemtrails, I'm like, you guys sound nuts. Mm -hmm. You really do. And then I, um, a few years ago, learned about Operation LAC, large area coverage, where they just outright say, yeah, we sprayed people with all kinds of chemicals. And then um, we were talking about this a few weeks ago, but there's my problem with it was that there is such thing as contrails. And I know that offends some people, but they they, they do exist. Like right. the, the wingtips of planes, like condensation comes off them, leaves. But we were doing this thing where the, this person explained it like, you know, those contrails that stay in the sky for a long time contrails, the, the condensation off the wings of planes goes away fairly quickly. And when they stay, that's how you know it's a chemtrail. I'm like if somebody just said that to me years ago, I would have believed the chemtrail conspiracy theory a long time ago, but it was just that like, it was so, mm. 
know what I mean? Where it's like, it's too big where every single pilot ever is doing this and they're all doing, you know, it's all in the face. Yeah. Or you know what chemical it is and, and why. Always. Yeah. Yeah. And it's to control our food supply because the end times and. I still think they're doing this, by the way. Like, I still think that they're testing whatever. Or, yeah. I don't know. There's, there's evidence for it. We'll get into to some of that later on. But I just found that. I find it funny when I can find older news clips that are like, yes, chemtrails exist. Also, it's a crazy conspiracy theory. Don't notice it. Yeah. Real this one, quick. This one on YouTube isn't even marked with the uh, the little tag huh. about chemtrails. Anyway, go ahead. Um, if you haven't liked the stream yet, whether you're whatever platform you're on, go ahead and like it. And I don't care if you like it. You should just go like it. Um, you should. Because it'll make me happy. And that should be enough for you. And if you're just lurking and you haven't commented in one of the live chats yet, just leave a comment whether or not you believed in chemtrails a couple of years ago. Yeah, I would like to know what people's thoughts yeah. are on chemtrails. <clears throat> so let us know in the comments. Also, I just want to shout this out really quick. If you guys want some great merch, you want to find another way to support the show. You guys can go over to hawkhoundmedia.myshopify.com and we've got plenty of shirts and sweaters and hats and stuff there and you can find something really cool that you like. My favorite uh, new shirt is the I want to believe the platypus. I love it shirt. so much. It's amazing. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's our new bestseller actually, just which is awesome. So it's you guys can check shirt. that out and support the so show. Funny. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. So let's let's see. With large area coverage, is there anything else about this one I want to talk about? Um, yeah, yeah, really quick. So there's there's some stuff that came out about this a typical flight uh, about a typical flight from this <clears throat> project covered 400 miles and they would spray 5,000 pounds of zinc cadmium sulfide in 1958 alone. There was over 100 hours spent spraying uh, spent doing these flights for LAC and that flight time included four runs of various lengths one which was 1400 miles. So spraying thousands of pounds of chemicals for over 1400 miles when they knew that the spread could go up to 1200 miles away from where the plane had originally dropped this. So essentially all of America got covered in some zinc cadmium sulfide. And it's hard for me. Like, you know how people always point out like, man, cancer seems like it's really been on the rise since, since the fifties and sixties. It's like, well, if the yeah. entire country was sprayed with a cancer causing agent, I'm not shocked. Yeah, people like to chalk it up to diet, and I, I think there's lots of part of it. diets that are this certainly contributing. But we all like we have this whole chronological chauvinism thing where we all expect things to get better over time and things to progress. So you really do have to ask yourself why would something like cancer be rising? Yeah, the more we learn about it, right? Yeah. Well, it's because the people were getting on Time Magazine of the people who are using mustard gas on, on uh, people and giving them cancer on purpose. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's see. We also got this one called Project 112, and this was May of 1965. These were vulnerability tests in the U.S. Uh, using anthrax stimulant bacillus globuli, which were so basically uh, it's, it's a it's a anthrax like bacteria, but it's not anthrax, I guess. I'm not a scientist, guys. And these were formed in Washington, D.C. area by covert agents. Uh, one test was conducted at the Greyhound bus terminal and another at the north terminal of the National Airport. And in these tests, uh, the bacteria released from spray generators hidden specifically or hidden in specialty built briefcases like that one we talked about earlier in 1953. So they liked the uh, spray 
briefcases. Basically, they were proving and showing that they could like walk into to the Kremlin or walk into Moscow and like take a train around and just like kill the whole damn city, right? Because uh, again, like a lot of this is pushed as defensive purposes. Even that one we we're talking about large area coverage. We're like, well, we were they they actually convinced people that the the smog over St. Louis was to test if they could put enough cloud coverage over St. Louis to stop bombs from being effectively dropped by the Russians. But we're not cloud seeding. We would never manipulate the weather. But our excuse for doing this other bad thing was that we manipulated the weather. Yeah, yeah, essentially. It's a big smoke screen is what they were pushing. Uh, Then in June 6, 1966, another part of Operation 112, and it's called that because there's like 112 different things they did. Um... This is where they conducted tests in the New York subway system by dropping light bulbs filled with Basilicus subtilii, uh, which was a variant they got out of Niger. And I don't understand why, like I'm reading the names of these. They're like, we're just going to test this weird African bacteria by taking light bulbs full of bacteria and just dropping them as we walk around the subway and just seeing. And they basically came up with, yeah, actually this would kill every person in New York if this was like anthrax or something. So, and what the reason I wanted to bring that one up specifically is we were sent a video, I think it was from Frida, when we did our TikTok uh, React Unhinged episode last two weeks ago. And it was Will Smith talking to, to somebody, and they're like, you actually believe that they spread bacteria on the New York subway systems in 1960s? And the, this journalist is like lecturing him like he's a retard, but this was known. Like, he wasn't yeah. even talking about a conspiracy theory. He was talking about declassified government documents. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. It's it's <clears> like they liter it it is in the accepted streams of information and people still don't want to believe it so they won't. And I think that's one of the best maybe pieces of evidence that conspiracy theories are true or at least that a lot of conspiracy theories are true is how unwilling people are to accept certain types of facts even when they are well established. Yeah. Uh Base Babe says it was Barbara Walters. Thank you. Thank you. I knew ah. I couldn't think of her name. But yeah, I mean I don't know. You're a journalist and you're like, well, how dare you talk about declassified government documents of things that really happened? You how dare damn you conspiracy theorists. Yeah. How dare you ask <clears throat> questions? How dare you have theories? How dare you mistrust the government in any way? Right. Yeah. Essentially what it is, right? So I want to talk about MK Naomi living on to this day because I believe it does. And I think it's pretty obvious that it does and parts of it do because <clears throat> we're told again, this is just like with MK Ultra. It was shut down in 1963, but then it was really shut down in 1973. And yeah, they were doing it in Canada in the 80s, but you know, whatever. (laughs) But it's definitely not a thing anymore. Yeah, definitely not. So MK and Naomi did a lot more than just test for dispersal patterns. They stored, tested, and improvised uh, poisons, bacteria, viruses, much of which today would be known as gain-of-function research that's still carried out by the NIH. So we know at least that much that directly came out of MK Naomi is being done in Wuhan labs and in North Carolina and in other, like all over the world that scientists are doing this thing, like taking viruses, souping them up, uh, but we're, they don't test them. Right. One <laughs> right. thing that people don't know too, is that Fauci was the head of the NIH for a long time. I think he was the head of the NIH during it. parts of this. Yeah. 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 So let's see. And, <clears throat> I think that they have caused other previous outbreaks, uh, the NIH and, and these people. And the, the one case I want to bring up, because this is still debated to this day, there's actually articles about this still coming out because people are like, this is weird, is the 1977 Russia flu. And I never knew this was a thing. 
uh, but it was caused by a strain of flu that later genetic tests showed looked remarkably like bacteria that was circulating in 1950. Well, they were spreading bacteria around these places. So it was believed that the virus escaped from a laboratory during a gain of function exercise. This is the official narrative that they believe, right? This is not conspiracy theory land. (laughs) Lab leak. <laughs> lab, lab leak. <laughs> yes. The lab leak theory of 1977 is acceptable to say. <clears throat> and and the reason they believe this is viruses are known to evolve continuously. So discovery made in 1978 of a virus that hadn't changed since 1950 was kind of weird. And they knew something was weird when everybody 20 years and younger was having a much worse time with this virus because they weren't around to build the immunity oh, 20 years no. ago. Oh, your audio is out. R.I.P.P. We're back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it's like they're just like, why is this affecting young people? It's because this is uh, something everybody else had built up immunity to back in the fifties, except these kids who were not around. Darn. <clears throat> yeah. So. So um, okay, this happened in Russia. And are you saying America during did the it? Cold War? America did it to Russia. That's what I'm saying. America. Yeah. Okay. America is playing around with flu bacteria in the 1950s as part of. MK Naomi. Then in 1977, a flu variant breaks out in Russia that came from a 1950s American flu. Uh, And this convinced many scientists that a a preserved sample of this virus from the mid 20th century found its way out of a lab and into Russia. Oops. 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 Here's my favorite one because this is just absolute proof that MK Naomi did not end. Like that one's a little bit of conjecture, but it's definitely at yeah. least a lab leak, whether it's you believe compelling. America did it. It's compelling that America did it because it's a cold war, right? <clears throat> but it, it could be that Russia who's also doing these types of tests. Like let's not, let's not deny that right. Russia and China and all happen. these places are doing it as well. They could have leaked it right uh, on accident. Like, like in Wuhan, uh, maybe <laughs> <laughs> on accident, on like accident. in Wuhan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in 1984, <laughs> this is my favorite. Cause when you read about this, there's no, Maybe this person did it. It's just, it just, this is who did it. The CIA tested a force multiplied strain of uh, uh, brucellosis at a Tahoe Truckee High School in California. And they specifically started putting this bacteria in the teacher's lounge to see what would happen. And there were other undisclosed locations uh, where this pathogen was tested using airborne aerosolized delivery system and also through contaminated mosquitoes. And seven of the eight teachers that hung out in this lounge became very ill within months. And these, these clandestine tests were conducted by the CIA and were closely monitored by guess who the NIH and the CDC. So this is and what's funny is this is this again. This is fact. This is documented test 14 years after we're supposedly not doing MK Naomi tests anymore in a school of all places not telling the teachers, hey, we're just going to poison your lounge with some like weird bacteria that's going to make you super sick <laughs> and uh, hide some other places around the school and, and also release a bunch of like disease carrying mosquitoes. <clears throat> right. Also, like there's a lot of delivery system stuff in these in these documents. So there's there's deliveries, uh, delivery systems of like these bombs with mosquitoes in them. They would drop these. It's basically just this giant ball of mosquitoes. and They drop it and break open and all of a sudden you've got cholera mosquitoes and you've got mm. Zika virus mosquitoes. Zika virus was one of the things that they were doing gain of function research on mm-hmm. as confirmed as part of MK Naomi as well. So 
I'm looking at H1N1 is another one that they confirmed did uh, gain of function research on as part of MKNOMI. So it's hard for me to look back throughout my life and be like, hmm, it seems like every couple of years they've got this new virus we're supposed to be really scared of and they're all prepped for it and they know everything about it. <sighs> and it just gets released to, as some kind of test to see if people would be ready to give up their their rights. I, I'm just saying. It seems this is where I'm getting the conjecture. Like everything else is, is proven, but this is like my conjecture and why things going on. Another thing that's proven is that in 1986, the U.S. government passed the newly modified uh, virus they had tested at that school in California. They passed a strain of it to Saddam Hussein to use against Iran. So they tested on Californian citizens. Oh, this shit works. Let's give it to the Mujahideen to use on Iran. Right. Let's give it there. <laughs> or not the Mujahideen. Sorry, that's... Uh, that's Osama bin Laden. But they give it to Saddam Hussein. Al-Qaeda. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I'm getting it backwards. Musa- Osama bin Laden was... Oh, sorry. ...was the CIA okay. operative. But also, Saddam Hussein had connections, too. My point is a different thing. But they gave it to Saddam Hussein um, back in 1986, and he received shipments of both Brusilica... I don't know why I'm even trying. Brucella Arbotus... Biotypes three and nine, and Brucella melanitis biotypes one and three. The Whatever trick is that just means. pretending that I know that what the your hell I'm pronunciation about. is correct and just saying <clears throat> it very confidently. No one is going to question you. Right. So basically, while Iran is a threat to us, we give it to Iraq. Iraq is going to use it on Iran. Except, what happened five years later? He became our enemy in the Gulf War in 1991. <laughs> So he used these pathogens on American troops, resulting in the illness referred to as Gulf War syndrome. <clears throat> More than 100,000 Gulf War vets now suffer from this syndrome, which causes chronic fatigue, loss of appetite, profuse sweating, joint and muscle pains, insomnia, nausea, and damage wow. to major organs. And for the longest time, the American government said, this is in your heads. It is not a real illness. Gulf War syndrome does not exist. It's just some type of PTSD. And so they had to admit that this is exactly what it is and where it came from. The government has been so unbelievably cruel to our veterans. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've done how horrific tests on our veterans. If we just going back to like MK ultra, what they did to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even just right now with the burn pit stuff, like we yeah. made you stand over these burning piles of absolutely toxic stuff that everybody knew was toxic. Like fire departments have known this for decades. Yeah, it wasn't like a through. breaking discovery. Like, Oh, exactly. we didn't know. Exactly, but they're pretending they didn't know, and and they're because all because they didn't want to pay out, and it's like at some point, right? I could go, I could go on, but um, have you ever played the game Plague Incorporated? No, but I know that when COVID broke out, they tried to change the game, like reverse it to be backwards. Like, no, we want to kill people, but I knew, I know what it is. I've I've beat because I can't <clears throat> play a game without beating every single. Achievement, like achievement hunter. Achievement. Yeah. I almost never play games, but when I do, it's intense. And that one I played inside and out. But so much of what you're saying about Project Naomi and and what they did is what the game is. Is like yeah. here are these different vectors you can use for your virus, and here are these upgrades, and here are, here's. Do you think it was like that one video game that was developed for the army? To full, it was full combat Spectrum Warrior or something like that. It was an Xbox game developed for the army. Do you think Plague Incorporated was developed for the CIA? <laughs> and then they're just like, we can make money on this. 
it kind of feels like it's something that that was at least developed to normalize the idea of right well like jokes aside though like isn't that essentially what bill gates and these billionaires are doing it like uh, uh project 201 and things like that where they're t- Remember two years before COVID broke out, they're like, we're going to do a war game simulation of what if a mm-hmm. bat virus from a Chinese Wuhan uh, wet market got out and like yeah. infected the world. We're going to yeah. do one in 2019 or 2020 of what if what if uh, a monkey variation of smallpox broke out in San Francisco? Like they actually do. Again, it's like it's conjecture, but it's not. It's like how the pattern holds like when they do these tests, they do their, their plague ink, right? Mm-hmm. Then it happens. Yeah. And and I think one of the things about video games and predictive programming and stuff like that is that when something absolutely insane happens, you're like, oh, sure. But it's like already so the pathways in your mind are already built to accept it. So there's not the cognitive dissonance. You're like, oh, I know that was going to be real, but it's already it's predictive programming. Yeah. It's yeah. already in there as a possibility that you can fathom so you don't get angry about it. It felt like that joke that we heard for a long time of, oh, I wish there'd just be a plague to wipe out all the stupid people, you know, and then a COVID happens and people were still kind of saying that joke, but they were starting to feel guilty for saying it. You know what I mean? They're like, mm-hmm. I've normalized this idea of like, maybe we do, you know, like the overpopulation myth bullshit that came from Paul Ehrlich and the whole mm-hmm. club of Rome. <clears throat> they normalize the idea of, well, we actually do need a plague to reduce the population. Right. It wouldn't be good. Yeah, yeah, for which real. is interesting. It is interesting to me that the <clears throat> left went so hard to how dare you kill the grannies instead of like, well, we kind of need to depopulate. So, yeah, well, I think that's because everything that they convinced you to do to save the grannies actually ended up killing more people. Facts. Yeah, facts. <clears throat> Talking about video games real quick. <clears throat> it was funny. I was I was sharing some of this uh some of this stuff with my wife the other day, kind of explaining what we we're going to be talking about tonight. And I said, it's a project called MK Naomi. And she goes like Naomi from metal gear solid. And I started thinking like, Holy smokes. I didn't realize till just now. She's the one that recognized it, that Naomi, the character in metal gear solid is based on MK. Naomi. she's the one who develops this thing called the Fox die virus. And one of the things that we talked about, there's again, there's not much known about certain aspects of MK Naomi, but there is known what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And if I go back to the beginning of my notes, one of the things they talked about was trying to develop a virus that could take out people based on race or ethnicity, ethnicity, certain populations. So I could basically drop it on our enemies in a war zone. It wouldn't kill our soldiers. It would just kill the Chinese soldiers, things like that. Right. Mm. <clears throat> so like, ethnochemical genocide essentially mm. it was part of this whole thing like it, it gets i think that stuff gets ignored when we talk too much about lac and them just like spraying it's still really bad things on people because it was so much worse than that but fox dye from from metal gear solid was this virus that enters into people's bloodstream and it targets certain individuals based on like their dna or their enzymes and it just kills them right so basically this this super targeted uh Super, super targeted virus. So I just found that really interesting because Hideo Kojima's games are like really based on conspiracy history and theory. And mm. it's just one of those things that makes me appreciate it even more because I never realized him when he named the character Naomi. It was kind of a hint that she was the one that was behind. That's Fox fascinating. Dye, right. So. So. So wait. So <laughs> ethno what? Ethnochemical genocide. That's what I'm calling it. It's basically like let's drop chemicals onto a war zone, but it'll only target Chinese people. 
so like when they or Russians or whoever, right? That COVID was affecting black people more than everybody else. (laughs) Kind of like that, right? Like maybe they developed a ethnochemical genocide. (laughs) There's a lot in here. Like I didn't want to get into the whole racism thing because it gets talked about way too much. But there's a lot in here that that people have pointed out seems like they were targeting black neighborhoods in a lot of these tests as well, which wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if it was right. Um, But again, let's let's put it this way. I think this is a fair way to put it. LBJ obviously, obviously set up the black community to look to the government for as daddy, as. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm not going to say the quote out loud, but we all have probably heard yeah. it. It was very intentional yeah. and it worked. Um, so you have these communities that are very beholden to the government. It's not just the black communities, but it was very much targeted at them. And, and it's definitely a big part. And when an entity like the government is supporting you like that financially, they do tend to believe that they own you. Like when you take money from someone, there is that weird string attached. And there is a belief that that person is going to have about you, especially if it's an entity like the government. So in a lot of ways, I think that, that the government, they became dehumanized dehumanized in the government's mind because of that relationship. Oh, I absolutely think that's what's going on. I don't think Candace Owens was wrong or exaggerating at all when she called uh, the the inner cities, the new voting plantations, because that's what they, mm. they are. It's exactly what LBJ said. We'll keep you on welfare and you'll vote Democrat for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's that's what they're doing. Yeah. That's what the, but, the plan has been. So, but I think that that's how they justify it to themselves mm-hmm. deep down that like, well, we're You're just wards of every, the state, right? So we can yeah, just test we things do whatever on we you. Want. And, and we know this yeah. is true because actual wards of the state, like prisoners, are main test subjects for these these programs. Yeah. I didn't even get into it, but there's tons of things. Like there was uh, one test where they took all black prisoners and gave them a, like just molasses for two months, but they laced it with uh, uh, some type of LSD. That's why I didn't get into it because it's an MK Ultra related thing. Oh, okay. But they took, uh, they just fed them just molasses for two months, laced with LSD, just see what happened. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. That's how they treat wards of the state. I mean, just look at uh, lobotomies and things like that, that they've done to people. A lot of the a lot of the MK Ultra testing was done on prisoners. I love how we completely independently do episodes and then they connect like I know. <laughs> psychedelics and uh, MK Ultra and all this. There stuff. was a whole well, uh, let's let's continue the conversation on psychedelics. There's one part of this that I didn't put in my notes, but I think it'd be fun to talk about. And there's another part that I want to save for the rumble section uh, just to chat with you guys. So we'll end this for you guys who are who are listening. And if you guys want to get the full audio episode, you guys can come over to conspiracypill.local. <clears throat> Sorry, conspiracypill.locals.com. And even if you don't feel like uh, giving us your measly $5 a month to get the bonus on Hinge stuff, all of the audio podcasts are there in their entirety with the with the Rumble portion. Um, but I want to talk about that, talk about uh, some of the stuff in here that has to deal with um, LSD and, and psychedelics. And I want to tell you guys about a heart attack gun. You guys have probably heard of the heart attack gun. And this was another thing actually developed by MK Naomi. So uh, stick around for that. And was there anything we wanted to say before we say goodbye to the audio listeners? Don't forget to subscribe. More people watch than are subscribed, which is really weird. Lots I don't more. Know why you yeah. would do that. That's. And a huge portion of you guys are audio only listeners. So if you could just come over to rumble, give us a subscription, like a few videos. It really helps yeah. us out. And the best thing you could do for this is to just give us a five star review wherever you're listening. It just ups us mm-hmm. in the rankings. It gets us out in front of more people. So 
If you could do that, we'd super duper duper appreciate you. We will see you guys tomorrow on Unhinged over on rockfin.com slash conspiracy pill. God bless everyone. Thank you.